0: Hello everybody and welcome. Hello there, god damn, and welcome to the Last Time Film Podcast where we talk film, TV, just and keep games. going, just keep going, and all that jazz. Yeah. Like there is no tomorrow. My name is Tom, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host John. I really blanked through that. I really sometimes yeah, I, I, I really can't do the podcast, intro. Every podcast doesn't
1: really need that strong intro, but we're human. It doesn't matter. Hey, we are human.
0: You're, wait, you're, wait, you're human.
1: Wait,
0: am I? <laughs> 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 Um, how are yeah. you this week?
1: Uh, I I'm doing great. Yeah. Good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you? Yeah, no, I'm 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 quite good. Um yeah, so this week we're gonna be talking uh, you know, as as always, as we've been doing for the last few weeks, we'll be doing um Falcon and Winter Soldier. But our main segment this week is going to be Star Wars Clone Wars, the two D uh, micro series. And of course we'll be doing news um as as always. So, you know, time codes in the description and um Yeah, let's let's jump into it with some uh, casting news for Obi Wan Kenobi. So Obi Wan Kenobi is gonna start filming this month, John. This month. Um, So I'm expecting maybe some um, some like set pictures or like you know, uh, I don't know if you remember way back in 2018, maybe uh, there was like a, a Mandalorian. Like they released the image of the Mandalorian. Um, with like a little um synopsis about what it was going to be about um, yeah. but but this time we have loads and loads of um of casting news so we'll start off um immediately um the they have and they have confirmed the that uh, the, the actors for Owen and Brew Lars from the prequel so that's Uncle o, Luke's Uncle Owen and Aunt Brew, Bru will be coming back for Obi-Wan so they will be, you know. So presumably, everyone might interact with them in some capacity, which yeah, uh, sounds sounds cool. And then there's some, you know, a lot of unknown ones. So uh, Sung Kang, who uh, people will know from Fast and Furious, who played Han, whose full name is Han Solo, is going <laughs> to be in the show. So that's really <laughs> cool, as like a little, you know, full circle thing.
1: Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, but that's and, yeah. That's that's a circle out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Benny Safdie, uh, who people know from, uh, um, uh, director of Uncut Gems and uh, starred and directed A Good Time. Uh, And Indira Vama, who was um, recently cast in The Flash as Nora Allen. And then uh, Kumail Nanjiani, uh, who, you know, comedian who is about to be in The Eternals. So, so, yeah, loads of kind of, you know... Uh, interesting c- casting um, news. W- what are you kind of expecting from this show?
1: Um, I, this is a very, very interesting cast. Uh, I mean, you you, you got um, Ice Cube's son. You got... But uh, well, it's O'Shea, O'Shea Jackson Jr. Oh, really? Yeah, that's Ice Cube's son. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, and then... But again, this, this is, looks really, really cool. Um uh i'm i'm expecting like um i don't know a very different show because it's going to be centered around obi-wan kenobi and uh and i think that it's going to be quite packed like all the all, the, all of this cast uh but yeah I'm, I'm pretty i'm pretty uh excited to see where this goes and um
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I agree. I love Obi Wan. I love Hugh McGregor in the role. I love Hayden Christensen, and you know the idea that we're going to get to see them have that rematch is yeah, the rematch really yeah, exciting it's... Um, oh. and a really interesting um, idea. But um, similarly, uh, for Star Wars news, we got a, a a new kind of full trailer for The Bad Batch. Yes. So. Um, Loads of things, you know, Like there there are loads of kind of um, confirmation characters that we got in this one. So obviously we already knew that Fennec Shand was going to be in it, but we get to see a bit of her in action. Get to hear Ming-Na Wen playing her. Um, one of the things that I'm wondering, maybe this show will show us a bit of her and Boba Fett. Um, a lot of people kind of assume that they know each other from the past. So you might get to see her and Boba Fett meeting or working together when they were younger. Um, Yeti you Saw Guerrera who obviously has been in so much Star Wars. He was in Jedi Fallen Order, The Clone Wars, Rogue One, Rebels. Um, so he's back, played by his original actor. and so not played by Forrest Whitaker this time. Um, there is a, some, a new kid uh, who looks like a, a young clone, but a girl called Omega. Um, and then, of course, Rex, um, everyone's favourite clone trooper. Well, not everyone's favourite, but a lot of people's favourite. Uh, so he's confirmed to be in it which is really really cool um and they also confirmed that the first episode is going to be 70 minutes long ooh okay so, yeah obviously um, yeah clone wars and rebels had 22 episode 22 minute episodes um but this is going for 70 minutes for the first for the first episode, for the first episode. Uh, Well, what do you what do you think
1: and um, yeah from from the trailer uh i'm already interested because um it it looks really, really good. Like um, with the with the animation, and and I'm the one thing I'm really impressed is that uh, the the voice actor um, D Bradley D Bradley
0: Baker, Baker, yes, yeah, yeah,
1: he's gonna play as he's gonna play as Hunter Crosshair Tech Wrecker Echo, and as the whole grand army of the Republic.
0: Yeah, he's. He's, he, he's rolling in it. I mean, obviously, I know you haven't watched the, the Clone Wars, but people who've watched the Clone Wars will know that he has played so many clones, and, and the skill that he has is he's so good at uh, bringing life to all of them. And, might I just say, he also plays Perry the Platypus in Phineas and Ferb. So. No, does he? Yeah, he makes the noise, the grrrr noise. He makes, no, he, yeah, that's oh, him. He gave Google me, it. Right? Google um, it. No, it's true. No. Right. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling already... you. I'm telling you. <laughs> I, I think you. it was
1: just some... I don't know. Some... platypus maybe. That no, it's, some...
0: it's him. It's him, yeah. Every... Because <laughs> every, I recently rewatched a show, All of Finis and Ferb on Disney+. Plus, and every episode, it would end. And in the credits, it would say D. Bradley Baker. And I'd be like, oh my god, what is it? Well, like, I kept on thinking to myself, I wonder what he does. And so I eventually Googled it, and it was Perry the Platypus all along <laughs> i know i know uh that uh, uh, do,
1: wait did he, does he get paid for like the, every noise he makes the yeah
0: like, no, yeah you would get paid for for each time you did it <laughs>
1: <laughs> just I, I just imagine him just walking into the studio and go hey hey guys um, okay so um is it just like today or do i need some action into it or do i just need more emotion into it uh just just do the same as always oh okay okay <laughs> oh,
0: that's a good maybe he came in once to film the first episode and um, to record it and then they were just like yeah we never need you ever again like you can just stay at home and then we'll just reuse yeah. that same um, if,
1: if we need you some emotional scene with perry just you know that emotional thing he does every time just you know just um add some emotion you know, like Leonardo you know the style you <laughs> know
0: <laughs> he, should, he should win an Oscar for that performance but it's it's interesting because um uh you have to relicense um you know those recordings every time you use them so you're right he probably would have you know um got loads of money just for doing that one sound
1: <laughs> yeah it's like um what's, um Vin diesel uh, voice acting for um for group. Um,
0: yeah exactly
1: just, like, but he it does say it and it lives in different ways. That's true. You know?
0: Well I always yeah. thought to myself, why why is Vin Diesel still playing Groot at this point, you know?
1: Well, I think it's just for fun, really.
0: Oh uh, I'm sure it is, but it's like I'm sure he I'm sure he costs money, you know, to for Disney to get and it's like you don't I feel like at this point you don't really need him, but maybe there's a process that I don't really know. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: well, yeah, um, so the trailer, um, I don't know why, but it's just so like very flowing, you know, smooth. Smooth and mm. then like when I, I'm I'm watching like the older like in chronological time, it's like a bit I don't know it's a bit rigid the animation, yes. but the, the this one is just like so smooth 100%. and I just really like it. It's just you like really... a bit more no.
0: Obviously, the first six seasons were made between two thousand eight and two thousand and fourteen, and you can see, especially in the first season, especially in the movie, the animation is super, super clunky. The facial expressions, you know, there's a lot of it that you look at and you're like, ah. But um, but then when you you know each season it gets better, and then from season six, obviously being two thousand fourteen, I think maybe two thousand fifteen, and then season seven, which is two thousand twenty, in that five, six year gap, the animation gets so good and, and it is, as you said, super smooth and, and I really, really like how it looks. You'll see towards the end of the Clone Wars, um, you know, especially there are just some, you know, in the Bad Batch arc of the Siege of Mandalore is really, really cool stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um and I I I said to you uh about like uh the Bad Batch, like when I watched it in chronological order, season three, episode one, there was like a group of clones trying to pass yes. uh, to the um, the first stage of, like, doing combat yes. or, or as well. Just uh, do this test. And I said, oh, is this is this the Bad Batch? And, like, and Tom was like, <laughs> no, you stupid.
0: <laughs> no, well, that's Domino Squad. And they are, like, you know, that's one of the best episodes um, just for, like, clone content. Um like, you really get that kind of perspective in the Clone Wars of, of the clones kind of, like, training. And, and you know, especially in, in Domino Squad, you get Echo and um, and Fives, who are two of, like, the most prominent clone troopers throughout the whole show. And you really, like, go on an emotional journey with them. Like, it is pretty damn emotional in in some points, I'm sure. You know, we actually have, um, if I just look at the schedule for the pod, we have um, uh, a week where we don't have anything to talk about. and Maybe it's a good idea to talk about something from the Clone Wars. Um I have a specific arc in mind that is like really, really good before the Bad Batch. Um, uh, yeah, uh, the Umbara arc. Uh, just wait, season four. It's incredible. It, it draws parallels to the Vietnam War and and about like you know the um, the way that generals can can use the soldiers um, to like you know just as as you know disposable things and not people. It's it's brilliant. Yeah, you're in for a treat. You're in for a treat yeah 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 <laughs>
1: um, yeah. So, well, yeah I'm pretty excited it's coming out may fourth
0: may fourth uh, yeah with a so seventy minute premiere on may fourth with uh um with next episode coming out on may the seventh and then each Friday from then, so uh they well, didn't talked about it, so yes we will be able, we're gonna do an episode on on the first two episodes on uh the 9th of May, and then we will be continuing every week, doing it like we did with One Division, like we're going to do with um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But I do think it's interesting just to to point out that um, they didn't; they only specified that episode one is going to be seventy minutes, not all of them. Um, so a lot of people are thinking that maybe each episode is going to be seventy minutes, and that will be like an arc in the Clone Wars. An arc would be like three episodes telling one long story. Um, so it, uh, people are wondering whether the, the bad batch is going to tell those story chunks. I think that'd be really cool. Story chunks, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, Big, yeah. big old chunks. Um, big old chunky chunk. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> oh yes. Um, but in other news, in other trailer news, should I say? Uh, there we've actually got a trailer for Rick and Morty season five, um, which season
1: is baby.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's coming in uh june um so yeah so as always loads of like crazy antics going about with rick and Morty. what did what did you think of the trailer
1: And um, yeah um so uh, a while back um i think yeah so there was like a concept mini concept thing so like it was like showing the first few minutes of the episode but like in sketches um
0: oh really uh
1: yeah, you can you can see it on YouTube. Um, yeah. the, the, that was for season five. So, um, uh, and it it it, it's really, it 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 gets you hooked in what's going on really um, in the first episode, in the first few minutes. But with the trailer, um, yeah, what you said is there's a lot of um, crazy stuff in this one. Um, I feel like that's, that, that's like every Rick and Morty season that's oh, going definitely. on. Like, everything that is just crazy. Um, yeah, so I'm, well, what do you think of season four? I, I, um, what season four, I don't know,
0: was it? Uh, well, I, well, I mean, four. so I watched season four as it aired and there was like a, a four month gap in between episode five and episode six. And I really oh, thought really? that they kind of, you know, it kind of lost me in the middle, like, you know. The episodes, and I feel this is a problem with season three as well, some of the episodes began to become a little bit repetitive and they didn't, they kind of stopped, you know...
1: Oh, yeah, that was the problem. ...progressing
0: the characters. I thought the season four finale was really good. Um, uh, You know, I really, really, I really enjoy the stuff where they advance character and the overarching kind of plots stuff you know stuff like the episode with the citadel is my favorite episode in rick and morty uh, not just yeah. because it does the whole evil morty thing uh but because you know it has loads to stay at the same time and i think that sometimes season four lost that and so i hope that season five brings back that kind of element of you know uh, that commentary while be- yeah while being able to um you know Progressed and I don't need to see evil Morty, but like it would be cool to see some of those threads coming back in some way,
1: yeah, and I yeah sometimes with the with see with um season three or four, there was like a not a like background story, you know mm-hmm. like there's like a background story throughout the throughout the seasons, uh but it's just like very very vague, like it's not there, but it's just like you don't know what's going to happen, but it, what you said is it's, it is rep- rep- repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I'm just hoping there's, like, a lot of more s- story content, you know, like, not being repetitive, but, like, uh, more into Eva Morty and, yeah. or some of that, well, so...
0: Well, aside from, you know, the obvious kind of, like, toxic fandom in Rick and Morty, oh, which, oh, which the, has definitely oh, become a problem. Oh, yeah, the band- oh God. Um, but, Dude, do you
1: remember when the szechuan uh, Oh session oh, sauce?
0: oh boy, do I remember that! Yes, of course. Ah um, uh,
1: yes, there there was um there was a clip of a a guy
0: <laughs> in McDonald's. <laughs>
1: he, he 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 got onto onto the counter. He said, "I need my szechuan sauce." I'm <laughs> pretty.
0: Yeah, that was that was. I mean, I like, I know you're laughing about it, but like that was. That was pretty intense, you know, pretty yeah, horrible. like, I, I Probably like I, harassing staff that, members. That
1: really happened. Like, I just can't believe that fan base actually. Dr- I, I'm just laughing about yeah, it. Yeah, obviously um, that was kind of but boring. No, it's, just, it's just funny about the fan base. It's just like they get too serious about it. Definitely. Like, oh, you don't have enough IQ to watch Rick and Morty or something. <laughs> you don't. It, you just it's don't, a
0: show. You just don't understand it. Um. But like yeah, it, it, it's like thing. you know. Aside from that, I do feel like season three and four have kind of dipped in quality um, as yeah. opposed to yeah. seasons one and two. I've actually been watching another uh, Justin Roiland property on Disney Plus called Solar Opposites. Season one that she just finished yesterday, and it's a like I, I'm really I'm I'm much preferring it to Rick and Morty because that is that era of like freshness about it, um, and. Yeah, and I and I hope it doesn't become as popular, uh, only because you know I don't want that kind of same polarization of Rick and Morty. I guess the kind of stigma to kind of seep into other things.
1: Oh, oh, wait until you see aliens coming down and talking about so, uh, so, so opposites. Yeah, yeah. They're just coming down, and going, oh yeah, you know, Rick and Morty. Ah, so yeah, I don't know, just like that. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Season 5, June. Maybe we'll talk about that. Maybe,
0: we will. Um,
1: maybe we will. Maybe but we will.
0: There is no spoon. There is no... Ooh, I like that. Um, but before that, we actually have um, Knives Out news. So, that obviously, Ryan Johnson has been working on uh, on sequels to Knives Out with, with Daniel Craig for a while now. Um, but they have now been confirmed to be on Netflix. And... Um, beyond that uh the second film will begin filming uh in, in late june in greece so you know no no cable net sweaters this time it seems but yeah um ryan johnson and daniel craig are kind of teaming up again and yeah so um you've seen the first knives out
1: yeah i i re- i loved it i loved it yeah it was great um my family did not they did not like <laughs> the film at all but um but this this is like um it's like the opposite of a of a mystery film. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I I mean I really enjoyed it. I, I thought that you know the cast was wonderful and the way that it was all put together was very good. I think it was it wasn't quite as intelligent as it thought it was. I feel like yeah. you know the 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 perspective that you follow, obviously Marta as the main character you follow her perspective and on, on the, the main murder and you get loads of different kind of small details about how all the family have this kind of alibi. But I did feel like, you know, the final kind of twist, like, oh my God, it was them. I was like, yeah, I could have told you that from the beginning. It wasn't like a huge revelation and the steps they kind of took to get there kind of, it felt um, not as good as I kind of hoped it would be. But But there we go. Um, but yeah, what do you think about the idea of like doing sequels though?
1: Um, yeah, to knives out. Okay, um, that is tricky because as like one movie, that that is that is a good movie, but there's like it's not too impactful, not too intelligent, but it's it is enjoyable to see those actors interact and you know to explore more of the characters, but. Having a sequel um now that that is a challenge because um maybe um they won't do the same thing in the first one because we've already seen that, but if they do it differently differently this one this could be quite interesting, but um we'll see we'll see we'll see,
0: yeah, yeah. I, you know I was the first film kind of marketed it marketed itself as a you know who done it like no other. Um, and, and, you know, if you do sequels, immediately you kind of lose some of that freshness. So I hope that they can maintain that freshness. But on, on the same level, I don't, you know... Obviously, Ryan Johnson's also supposed to be doing a Star Wars trilogy. I don't really want him to, at this point, you know, I'm satisfied with what Star Wars is doing, you know, otherwise, and I think, you know, the every a lot of people hated Last Jedi, a lot of people loved it, so there's going to be that kind of polarisation with him making more Star Wars, but at the same time, I don't want him to go on and make his own films and then just make another franchise. I think he has such talent, uh, you know, like, having seen most of his films, you know, Brick, Looper, Last Jedi, and Knives Out, they're also distinct and also different. I'd like to see him kind of not just do another Star Wars, do another Knives Out. I'd like to see him try something different, you know, properly, like, fresh and unique. Uh, did
1: you you do, kind of glitched
0: out you, there for me. I basically, did. Basically, I'd like to see him do something else. <laughs>
1: oh, okay, okay, cool, cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool.
0: But, cool. Uh, yeah. actually, there, there's been loads of, kind of, cancellations this week um, for DC. So, DC uh, announced that... Their, two of their films that they've been working on for quite a while, so their Trench film, which is an Aquaman spin-off based around the, the Trench, uh, you know, James Wan was attached to kind of, like, bringing, like, referencing his horror roots, um, that's been cancelled, and the New Gods film, centering around Darkseid and Big Barda and Granny Goodness, which was being written by Ava DuVernay and Tom King, um, I've also Wait, been cancelled. Working on this? Yeah, yeah. So Tom King oh. was one of the writers, um, as well as Ava DuVernay. Um, and although they did, they did confirm that the Supergirl film uh, is still going ahead. They have put that on hold, and their excuse for this being that they didn't want. They thought that Darkside being in Zack Snyder's Justice League has not, would make it too confusing for them to make a New Gods film. Uh, you know, the two writers on New Gods have been extremely kind of upset about this. They've been put on Twitter about how, like, you know, they they, they thought they had something really, really good that they were going to share everyone. But, um, yeah, what do you think about this? This is quite unfortunate, really. Uh, uh, long
1: Sigh. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, A
0: long Sigh really sums it up for me. Um,
1: yeah, so. I don't get this. I feel like that one of the brothers is trying to put the blame on the Snyder Cut, saying, "Oh, oh, sorry, the Snyder Cut um made things a lot worse." So we'll cancel some more of the stuff um, that you know that could be really interesting, and you know, and let's put the blame on that one as well. So that's that's what I that that's why I'm thinking what yeah, what they trying to do.
0: Um, I hundred percent agree with you. I would have loved. To, I I wasn't that bothered about a trench film. It would be cool to see James Wan kind of flex his um his his horror kind of skills. But I wasn't hugely like you know invested in that. But a new God's film sounded really cool. And the idea that they just said, "Oh no, it was it was it's the Snyder Cut's fault," even though they are trying to build this multiverse. Like, how can you build a multiverse if you're unwilling to do two separate versions of someone like Darkseid, who's such a small character? How are you expecting people to latch onto different Batman and different Flashes or whatever they want to do, different Superman? The whole thing yeah, is just and, like, what what's what's going on here?
1: Yeah, and I and it could be really interesting to see like different. Um, like well gods in, in in this uh in this in this show. Is it a show or a movie?
0: Uh, movie.
1: Movie. M- m- movie? Yeah, movie. Movie.
0: Right. Maybe you movie movie. movies
1: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um yeah, the audio's a bit weird being a bit weird. Um so, yeah, um like seeing different versions, um and you know it just annoys me man. Like yeah. we could have seen like a spin off of the trench, well, trench in, in the show, and it could be really interesting, but I feel like that one of the brothers is trying to, um, compete with Marvel, and I feel like that's, they've just been a bit, you know, um, I, I don't know, a bit angry, I, I don't know, because... I,
0: do, I don't know if they're trying to compete with Marvel, I think that they're just trying to, you know distance themselves more and more from... Yeah, that's why, I mean, that's why trying,
1: trying to be different, but... Uh... Yeah,
0: like, you know, I think their thinking was, you know, we don't want to continue the Snyder Cut. We really don't want to continue the Snyder Cut. You know, people want us to, so let's try and distance ourselves as much as possible. I mean, who knows what's, what's next? They might, you know, want to, you know... Delay the Wonder Woman film, Wonder Woman three. They might want to, um, you know, get take Batfleck out of the Flash film, or maybe just delay the Flash film in general. Like it seems like they're just taking huge steps to try and make it so the Snyder Cut is isn't in, in, on people's minds.
1: Yeah, and I, uh, yeah, it just annoys me. I wish that Warner Brothers, you know, think carefully about the things in the future, but. You know, we'll we'll see what they what they're trying to do, and yeah, I feel like they're just trying to get rid of, of like creative control, um, and then make it a bit worse. I don't know. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. I'm sure. I'm yeah, sure I'm they have some th- sort of plan behind this. Um, I guess. Yes, as apocalypse says, all be revealed. Oh, and he's gone. He's dead. He's 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 lost in the time. So our next segment, <laughs> he's back. Uh, uh,
1: y- yeah, I don't know what happened. You just
0: d- disappeared. You, yeah, well you disappeared too. Oh right, it's a mystery for all of time. Um, but I was just about to in- <laughs> all the time. I was just about to introduce our next segment, which is Falcon and Winter Soldier.
1: Yeah, let's let's talk about
0: this. Let's talk yeah. about episode 3. If you haven't seen it already, get out. Spoilers, of course. Get out. Get, but we got get, much get, to get, talk about, one. namely uh, I
1: don't know, watch it. It's is, it's it is, it is long. Long episode this one. So
0: It is. Uh, yeah, it is. It yeah, definitely. Um so yeah, what did you think of it?
1: Uh yeah, I love I I really like this one uh, as well. Um uh I feel like this one was like exploring more of like, Bucky, like Bucky's control, you know, like with Zemo, and I feel like there's like a lot more, like, looking into, uh, into Zemo. You know, like I feel like that Zemo wasn't really explored more in Super War. I, I think he's just there, like being the villain, but we we can't understand what his motivations. But we see, um him in this tv show uh in this episode um uh, like working together and it's pretty pretty interesting to see you know you know what i mean um you know
0: yeah what do you what do you think well i mean i think immediately this was definitely my least favorite episode so far but that does not mean that it still wasn't awesome <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. I liked it, but... uh, I I agree with you. It's really good to see more of Zemo. I I didn't dislike him in Civil War, um, but I did think that, you know, this is the perfect opportunity for them to develop him, like, you know, and 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 immediately, immediately, I I think that he adds such a fresh, new perspective, you know, not just as a villain, not just as a Sokovian, you know, as somebody who's looking in into the hero's perspective, into the American perspective, it's really interesting just to see him come in and, and you know, make these kind of ob- ob- observations and add just a different dynamic to the group. And I really liked him, you know. I-, I really enjoyed some of the ways they added to his kind of character with him now being confirmed to be a Baron, straight from the comics. I love his coat, I love his his, um, his hood, I guess, or is it a helmet? It's more of a hood, I guess. Um, but yeah, I I thought Zemo was definitely the highlight of this episode as something new, um, like yeah, character-wise.
1: I, yeah, explore, like uh, seeing that character development with uh, with Bucky and with Sam, and there's there's a lot a lot of references in this show. Uh, in this, sorry, I keep saying show. It's episode, John. It's it's episode, John. It's, so, John, it's, episode, it's,
0: it's an episode. It's, it's an,
1: so it's an except to, Uh The place I, um, oh, what was the place um, that they go to meet.
0: Yes, uh, I know. The, I know you mean. I know you mean. Um, Selby,
1: Selby, Selby. Yeah, Selby. Selby. That's the name. Um, the, the place. All right. Let me just think of the place. Is it to to meet? I I don't know how to say it.
0: I'm googling it. Okay. Well, I know what you mean. That's a um
1: so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so yeah, that's
0: actually yeah. um, that's in the comics and is actually associated with the X-Men um, I'm not too familiar with it um, but yeah so that's quite cool that, that it, yeah. it, it's that kind of connection yeah, with um, that
1: uh, and there's like some referencing, uh, referencing rah, some <laughs> stuff that was connected to the character Wolverine um, like there was like a, a sharp um, I forgot the name of the shop, but it was like associated with Wolverine. said uh, that I looked, and it, it looked, yeah. It's it's going to be interesting if Marvel's going to introduce a character from um, from the X Men. Well, it
0: certainly X- feels like they're doing that kind of slowly. Wonder obviously had Evan Peters, and then this has got like Madripoor and stuff like that. There's yeah. interesting stuff that seems like happening. I, I saw someone talk about, you know, obviously um Zemo talks about how um Sokovia or what's left of Sokovia has become cannibalized um and and, and you know, kind of split and, and and some and somebody was talking about how this could possibly be the kind of springboard for Latvaria. People who don't know Latvaria is the nation that Doctor Doom controls in the comics, you know. So there's loads of interesting kind of avenues they could take. But the thing is, is that I'm really glad that it, because I feel like a lot of WandaVision was set up for the future, set up for Doctor Strange, set up for Captain Marvel too. but this didn't feel like it was setting stuff up. It still felt grounded in, in, in the plot and, and in the character. There was a lot more plot in this episode, but there's in the characters. So I think, you know, you bring up a good point about Bucky and Zemo. One of my favourite scenes was when Bucky goes full Winter Soldier, the music does the whole Winter Soldier thing, you know, and Zemo comments on the fact that, you know, it doesn't take much for Bucky to kind of slip back into it. And obviously, between Civil War and Infinity War, you know, Bucky just kind of goes to sleep, wakes up in Wakanda, and he's fine. He doesn't go through, like, a huge transition. Like, a he doesn't go through, like... But the thing that I love about this show is that he doesn't just let go of the Winter Soldier and move forward. Um, I think it's uh, it's Isaiah in episode two who said, like, you think you get to choose what you be? Like, you don't get to choose, you know. Like, they choose for you. And it's interesting seeing that, you know, he's he can still just snap back into that Winter Soldier mindset, even without the code words. You know, he still has, like, PTSD about the whole thing. Um, I think that's very, very cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a really... Um thing and like uh Bucky revisiting Zemo and you know like that was like a bit of tension you know like when Zemo was saying the words uh, back in civil war that triggered that you know like makes him to uh into a like a a murderer or killer um
0: yes that was very immediate I mean Everybody, welcome back to the segment where Tom talks about how much he loves the score in Falcon Wind Soldier. Immediately, when they showed Zemo, they played his motif from Civil War. And I was just like, yes, this is so cool. It's amazing. I'm in love. And then and then they obviously, um, you know, he said the words. And I really enjoyed just that one scene of Zemo being that kind of Hannibal Lecter-esque, you know, villain, like, behind bars. you know, obviously the one thing that I would have preferred to see more of that. I thought the prison break was a little bit rushed, but it's also great to see him like on the move, you know, like showing himself as a baron and, you know, like, as I said, observing, you know, how Falcon and Winter Soldier, you know, interacts and operate from like an outsider perspective.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, um, what else? Um, yeah, we, we get to see more of um, the Flag Smashers. Um, oh, yeah, no, at the start of the TV show... Uh, Tom, uh, John, come on, man. Ah.
0: John, John, John it's, a, it's an episode. It's what we're talking about, an episode. Right
1: ah, <laughs> episode, okay. Get, get it in your head, get it in your head. Get okay, in so the game. At the start of the episode, there was the, um, the Global... Um, w- w- I don't know what's the full name.
0: Yeah, um, Global Peace something
1: it's the global can- council something you know like saying about oh you're going for five years and we'll help everyone uh, families friends all that and,
0: global and, gl- gl- and
1: that reinforces like, we, mm-hmm. we the idea of like the flags, flag, flag smashes tr- trying to help the uh uh with everyone um who are like you know really um suffering in you know, uh, like uh, in the time in the five years, or you need some help, um, and you know, like um, they really want to help, uh, but like the world is um, global,
0: um, Glo- global repatriation council.
1: Yes, that's it, yeah, that's it. Um, and to think about those characters who are trying to help those in need. Um, like, you kind of appreciate appreciate them more but you don't know what they could do something because they're they're super soldiers um and uh but again with um John Walker trying to get the uh, trying to get them and it's like there's like two stories the perspective like uh, John Walker don't, don't like the flag smashers and they see them as trying to um uh, that trying to he's isn't trying to take over the world or something, but with you if you see the flag smash his perspective and they're trying to help so it's pretty interesting to see how uh john Walker, you know realizes the truth or you know yeah um, it's
0: it's interesting showing this immediately the the global repatriation council um that that is a mouth that's a mouthful I'll tell you what the g r c immediately like it begins with this like you know this kind of uh it reminded me of moon right. Um, Oh, yeah, Yeah, Moon. it starts with, like, a video where it's like, look at the the GRC, are these wonderful people, we're helping the world. And then it cuts to a GRC van full of, you know, Captain America and SWAT people ready to, like, you know, instill fear and and attack people. And and immediately you see that, that kind of, like, the face of this corporation isn't what it is you know, isn't what it's really operating under, and you also see that, you know, people don't respect Captain America, they don't care that he is supposed to be Captain America, and, you know, the guy overseas. you know, he says to the, uh, John Walker says to the guy, do you know who I am, and the guy's like, I don't care, he spits in his face, and, and, and and I really enjoy seeing that struggle, where, I mean, this episode was quite John Walker heavy, um, uh, light, should I say, sorry, um, there wasn't much of him in there, but I really enjoyed the stuff that we did get of him because there's that questioning of he still doesn't feel like he's ready for the mantle, and I feel like this could manifest itself in dangerous ways. You know, he could he could get the Super Soldier Serum like to use on himself. I feel like that would be that you know something like that could happen, um, and 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 yeah, I think the Flag Smashers, the idea that they want to help people and they're being peaceful, but then they're kind of they become, you know, like like in the scene where Carly blows up a building and then is like, and then the other guy's like, whoa, there are people in there. And she's like, oh, violence is the only language they understand. You start to see that they are becoming, they're kind of turning into something more dangerous themselves because, you know, they're losing their way of what they were originally fighting for, you know. Like, you know, it it, it starts with them... You know, blown to the nut, but then, like, how much, how many more people have to kind of die for that?
1: Yeah. um, And I, um, so Sharon Carter. Yes. Uh,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm ha- very happy to see her uh, again, um, because she was left out uh, mostly throughout Marvel. She was. Like, I, I mean, when was the last. Oh, Civil War. Civil War. Civil War was like. 2016, and here we are in 2021. Five years later.
0: Well, remember this show set in 2023, so it's been seven years for them.
1: Jeez. Well, unless you got blips.
0: Oh. Oh, yeah that's, that's true. That's true. Those snaps. Yeah. Oh well.
1: Oh, well. um uh So yeah, I'm I'm pretty uh, happy to see her again, uh and more like more of a character development between Sam and, and Bucky. And, um, and it's interesting to see, um, how she, she, she tries to help them, but then she's under government con- conditions to do the, the, the stuff that is happening around, um, and you know what I mean? Like,
0: yes, she can't, uh, she can't go back to, um, the
1: old days. Ah, oh, the old days where I
0: helped you. and uh, The old days. No, but it is interesting. You know, everyone there, you know, Sam, Steve, Natasha, uh, you know, even Wonder and Vision, they all got pardons, you know, eventually. But Sharon's still on the run. She's still reaping those consequences for helping them out, you know. it, it It's interesting because it not only comments on the fact that, you know, that these heroes are idolised, and she even says that, you know, they the that there's a hypocrisy in the idolization of these heroes. But it also comments on the fact that she was literally there for two movies to be a love interest, and then she was gone, you know? They gave her so much more personality in this episode, and she has so much more kind of weight to the plot. And she's pretty badass as well, like, in the action scenes and stuff. It makes the character so much more fleshed out than just a love interest for Captain America, you know? A weird love interest as well, now that technically she's his niece, um... So that's all very strange, but now they've kind of gone back and given, you know, given her a bit more weight, and I really appreciate that, you know, she, there's this whole kind of commentary about how the government they serve and the, and the heroes they are, are, aren't what, aren't what they're idolizing, they're, they're much better, Uh, they're much worse, sorry, um, it's like when, it's like the Winter Soldier in many ways, but. I I would I would argue better because they don't just say oh yeah no but shields being controlled by hydra it is just the american government are doing the wrong thing um and going and, and not doing right by many people so i really really appreciate all that yeah um,
1: and uh i feel like they the they're, they're more in- centered uh, um i don't know what i'm saying um
0: um, so... Well, I mean, let's just, like... W- we'll just, just conscious of the time, let's just, um, kind of, uh... get to the r- end of the bit. Yes, yeah, wrap the up. Bit. So the final scene, we see Bucky meet up with Io, I think is is, is her name. Uh, so Ad- Adora, Adora Milaje, um, who was in Black Panther and Civil War, and maybe she was also in Infinity War and Endgame. I don't remember her, but, but she was there. So that... Brings up, It's very much a, a, a Quicksilver thing from WandaVision. This gives me so many questions. Now I'm thinking to myself, is are, are they going to go to Wakanda? Are we going to see other Dora Milaje, a Koye maybe? And I don't want to kind of get like too speculative, but the creator did say that in episode five, there is going to be an appearance of an actor that will oh. make you cry. Uh and I, I don't want to be too speculative, but uh, if the Dora Milaje are here, and if we're possibly going to go to Wakanda, is Chadwick Boseman going to be in this as T'Challa? Uh, I mean uh, that's that's oh. that's a big that's a big reach. I know, but like uh, that, I think uh, there are so many interesting uh, avenues they could take with this, and not only with cav- not only only with yeah. ca- uh, cameos, but you put. You you're now putting Sam and, and and Bucky on the line against the Wakandan government and the American government. You know they're kind of going against this kind of whole idea. Um, yeah. And 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 Zemo, you know, to be apt to, to answer for his crimes uh, in Wakanda. Going against as well. the run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, going, 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 on the run.
1: Going on the run. Yeah. yeah. Going on the run. Um, so yeah, so that is pretty exciting at the end. You know, like. Um, Wakanda really wants Zemo. Like the fourth things that you know he killed T'Chaka. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what's gonna happen happen next. Definitely. Uh, worth like some Wakandan um people, uh, Wakandan soldiers fighting against um Bucky or
0: with, um yeah everyone. No. There's loads of interesting avenues that, that, that could be taken. Uh, you know, the uh, the super soldier serum. 20 were made, and we know of eight that have been taken. So who are the other 12? You know, there's still some more stuff with Isaiah to kind of go on. They kind of talk about how they experimented on, on another super soldier, which kind of links into his stuff. There was the conversation, a really good conversation about the shield, and Sam not wanting to take up the shield, and saying to, to Bucky, maybe I should have destroyed the shield, because what it represents is... You know this, like this government that that treats people like, especially like you know as you see through through Sam and and Isaiah treating you know especially black people like really badly, and 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 he's saying maybe I should destroy it, and then Bucky's saying well it, I wouldn't let you destroy it, and maybe I'll have to take it up. So, the idea of who has the shield as well, it's all extremely interesting, and I, I must say a couple of little notes. I thought that Sharon kind of left a little quickly. I've talked about how I would have preferred to see Zemo a bit more. I didn't really like his prison break. I thought the comedy in this episode was a bit boring, a bit just like, eh. You know, there are many jokes that I wasn't that impressed with. It
1: it wasn't that too comical, but I mean... Yeah,
0: like, it, eh. it, it wasn't as sophisticated as I felt it was before. I really, you know... The butler, for example, I wasn't a fan of that, that butler character. But other than that, I mean, it's still going really strong. And halfway through, remember, this is at the halfway point, and it's already better than all of all of WandaVision for me. So that's great.
1: Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, like, the stuff that I don't really like. Um, I, I wish there was, like, more stuff that Zemo could do in this episode, but I feel like he's a bit... Just just standing there, just like talking. Okay. But uh, I I kind of wish that he was like you know pressing a lot of buttons, uh, it, like uh, it like Bucky and Sam, you know, like going over the a- areas and trying to say, oh, you're a team, or they could have done something like
0: against yeah, the team, chal- or- chal- challenging their dynamic a bit more.
1: Yeah, look, more, more, more dynamic. Yeah, more.
0: Yeah, I I kind of get where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. So, right. Let's let's go to our main segment and let's talk about Star Wars Clone Wars, not the Clone Wars, Clone Wars, the 2D micro series from all the way back in 2003,
1: and this was made. That was the year I was.
0: Uh, born. Wow, <laughs> I was I was wondering what you were going to say there. That was the year I was killed. Um, <laughs> but but yes, it was the year that the year that both of us were born. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, so this was made as uh kind of like a bridge between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, made by Gendi Tardakovsky, who people might know from Samurai Jack. He did all the um, you know the the animation and stuff. And
1: oh yeah, that oh that's where. Yeah, that kind of... Yeah, re- yeah. It is really, like, Samurai Jack. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a really cool show. Yeah, I, so,
0: um, you know, this has just been put on Disney Plus as part of the vintage collection. We could have watched any of these. They um, put on the two Ewok movies, the Ewok TV show, and the Faithful Wookiee, the animated segment from um, the Star Wars Holiday Special. So, um, oh. thank God we didn't watch any of those. Um I kind of picked I kind of picked the best out of the bunch and um, talk about but yeah so what did you think
1: um okay um th- this is the okay so this show uh well okay so these two volumes they are the definition of overwhelming yes uh, there's like so much going on um with the action and i i we really, i really like the animation the animation's just uh re- really cool, but I just felt really just a bit really distracted with everything's going on, I feel like, oh what happened to oh and it's just a bit too fast paced with me, and I just couldn't really concentrate on the the stuff because usually with Star Wars they do they they just don't go in the action as much it's just about the about the characters but this this just felt like just like an action filler really just everything that was going on uh but um there was like some character moments that i really liked um especially at the end with general grievous um you know fighting against all
0: yeah the other
1: guys that was that was really cool that one and scary like that was, that was really scary and i i, I just felt I, I don't know. It was just a bit different for me because, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, what about you, Tom?
0: Well, so th- this—that's this—is the first time you've watched this, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I used to watch this as a kid all the time. I had it on DVD, and I was in love with it. You know, I loved the prequels. I loved this show. I loved playing Star Wars with all my friends and like being a Jedi and stuff. So in that sense, this has definitely got a special place in my heart. But if we just kind of start off by talking about Volume One, I I have to agree with you. It's so full of action and good action. I will have to say. Yeah. You know, I, it. it I, was, I, I, the animation's great, the music's great, the sound design, it's all great, you know, there's loads of really fun sequences, but it's all just crammed into this, like, there's so much going on, and, and, you know, it doesn't really take a break to do some character stuff, there's no, I think volume two definitely is so much better, you know, it's so much slower, it's, it's literally, I mean, instead of being, like, ten different narratives at once, it's just two narratives, you know, and one of them's a slow one, and one of them's a bit more fast-paced, Um, but yeah, especially in, 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 in this first volume, there's just so much action happening all at once and, and it can be, you know, very, very overwhelming, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just too much for me because especially with me, um, I, I just process things a lot slower and I just felt a bit, ah, yeah, definitely uh,
0: the the whole, the whole, the whole thing is, is, is this kind of huge, explosion. It really is, the way that I'm kind of, the way that I can see this is, you know, this is almost what, if you were in the Star Wars galaxy, this is what the Jedi would tell you happened in the Clone Wars, you know? This isn't canon anymore, obviously, but, so, you know, they wouldn't tell you of the Jedi's failures, and they wouldn't tell you of, you know, Mace Windu being, like, like, a really horrible guy, or Luminara Unduli, or anyone, you know, or any of the personalities of the clones who would later become these merciless killing machines in Order 66. It's just, you know, the Jedi being these absolute brutal forces to be reckoned with, you know? They are, like, if you think about the the, the Mace Windu scene, where Mace Windu, without a lightsaber goes toe-to-toe with a whole army of B-2 battle droids, super battle droids, barely breaking a sweat, just cracking through them, beating them with his fists. You know, the Jedi really are one, like one-man army in this. Like, they have so much power, and, like, their skill is is defined in such a, you know, kinetic way, and I think that's cool, but it loses some of the kind of depth to it, you know? yeah uh
1: and i mean there was a really cool uh stuff that i really liked um and i i uh, i just need to put pro- <laughs> uh <laughs> um i'm just trying to remember what really happened um uh, because was too fast too fast um so too fast too uh, furious yeah the battle droids um Yeah, yeah, I know
0: what
1: you mean. Yeah, yeah. And I I really liked... Uh, oh, Mace Windu was in one scene in particular?
0: Yeah, Mace Windu had one kind of action set piece.
1: Oh, yeah, the one with this massive, massive ship. Yes. Yeah, and just looming over and just completely just um, obliterating or just just stomping, just,
0: just that. Just... <laughs> it, it, it was a huge stomp.
1: I mean... It's a stomp that no one can stomp before.
0: Wow, yeah. it's the biggest stomp that ever did stomp. Yeah, it's the stomp and the stomp will never stomp. The stomp to end all stumps. The, the stomp of stumps. Um, um, oh no. Uh, Avengers <laughs> Infinity Stomp. Oh. <laughs> uh,
1: um, stomp in... Uh, no. Um, Once Upon a Time in Stomp.
0: Zack Snyder's Stump.
1: Um Batman. The Stump Knight
0: <laughs> uh, uh, In in Stomp no one can hear you Stump. Uh Stomp was. There we go. Hey, stomp. it's all come back. It's come full circle. Stomp uh, was, the Stomp was.
1: Anyway, the master Stump. Yes, yes, yes,
0: yes. The
1: the Stump. Yeah, Mace Windu, uh, that was really cool. I, wait, I just realised he doesn't have any dialogue.
0: No, he doesn't. He has dialogue in Volume Two. But yes. Yeah, it, it's like there's there's loads of segments. Like there's the Kit Fisto segment as well, and I have to say Kit Fisto without his top on in 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 the ocean, just swimming, and you know with his lightsaber like rippling oh, in the yeah, water is so cool you know it's one of the most visually stunning scenes but again so much of it just wasn't needed you know yeah um geez john this really broke you didn't it this show really like i can yeah, hear in your voice that you're just it just like,
1: completely just messed my brain because with everything that just really happened i just couldn't comprehend like with all the characters like there's one action scene, one action scene, one action scene, one action scene, and I just have to process what everything just been through. It's like, um, you're watching John Wick, and, it's just continuous. Mm. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's just, like that, like that, it's just, I just need to take a breather, Mm. just what happened really, because like, at the end, but no, it's just kept continuing, 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 and I just, I, I I tried to be engaged but I just felt like oh uh,
0: oh 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 <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> I like I I am I am like as you know John I am a huge Star Wars fan but even, yes you are even you even are I are was like massive massive Star Wars Wars. even I was like god this is this is so intense my brain might just explode like you know th- it's just there's a lot okay like so there's a lot of stuff that kind of introduced in this one. You know, you get like Ventress, who yeah, is Dooku, you do, you do, like, who's trying, introduced as Dooku's uh, imp- apprentice, yeah, yeah. and in her first scene, she just defeats like twelve monsters. You know, she yeah. goes into the arena and just kicks and then ass. Doku. Is Doku?
1: It do- Dooku,
0: Dooku, Dooku, John, 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 <laughs> ah, come on,
1: kill me, man! I can't even speak. Right- Okay. Dooku. Dooku. Right. So Dooku was fighting against Ventress. And that was really cool, I really Yes,
0: they had but... that little fight. I think all of Ventress' stuff is some of my favourite stuff. I really enjoy her little um, uh, fight with Anakin through the streets. Um, and then it, it's really cool to see uh, their fight at the end, you know? Like... The animation is so, so incredible at the end. The way that the red and the blue light works inside the temples. The way that, like, they fight in the rain. And the way that Anakin goes, like, full dark side to defeat her and then he screams into the air. It's really, really cool. And if you kind of put that against some more character stuff, some more slow moments that develop some relationships, it would be so much more successful.
1: Yeah, uh... And I'm just trying to process another thing that just <laughs> happened um, in the show. Uh, Yoda, Yoda, yes. at trying to save some Jedi in the temple.
0: Yeah, that's from that was probably my least favorite part of the episode. Yeah, Barris, Al- and Luminara Unduli get stuck in it a, in a, in a temple on, on Ilum. Um, where they're, they're collecting Barriss' uh, crystal to make her lightsaber. And they have, you know, this really nice moment where they, she builds the lightsaber and it's kind of cool. But then they kind of find all these droids and they get trapped in the rubble. And then you get Yoda, um, 3PO, R2 and Padme kind of, like, going through this, like, snow-filled place in, in a blizzard... Yeah. To try just, just and, walk like, in. Just, kill... Just, just walk in, you know. Yeah, just, this is, like, there was, like, you know, there was this kind of comedy that I was just kind of, like, yeah, okay. It just felt so random for just, like, a, you know, a, what, like, a five-minute se- se- sequence? It was definitely odd. Um, but, you know, I think there were redeeming... So, there were redeeming factors, like, so, th- like, Obi-Wan. What do you think of obi Wan stuff? Because Obi-Wan obviously had, like... You know, he had this whole thing where he was like commanding the clones uh, on the siege of the city, and he and he fights Dirge, the bounty hunter who is just basically a, a squid, some weird squid tentacle monster uh, underneath his armor.
1: Yeah, squid.
0: <laughs> basically, what what, did you, what did you think I, 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 of that?
1: No, that massive squid armor driving through stuff that th- do through tanks and is- Mad Max
0: style. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, a bit of Mad Max in there, definitely. Uh,
1: what, what did I even miss? Um, oh yeah, Anakin, uh, facing um Ventress. Yes. Yes, I remember that alongside it.
0: <laughs> my god you are you are you are broken this this reminds me of our early days in the podcast where you were just like so confused as to what's happening wow um, yeah
1: with, with tenant like I yeah
0: right with tenant yeah exactly um right okay so we'll let's move on to volume two because that's this that's so much like more slow moving and there's so much more like to kind of unpack you know, yeah. it's a much easier watch. I watched yeah. Volume One in the morning, and I had to take like a ten-hour break before I was ready to watch Volume Two. So, yeah. what do you think of Volume I, I, Two? I just,
1: felt, I just felt pretty exhausted after watching Volume One. I was a bit skeptical. Oh no, is 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 Volume Two going to be like another <laughs> another like you know like that really stressful Mario Kart level? Oh wait. That star level. Yeah,
0: everywhere. wait. Before we talk about Volume Two, we have to talk about General Grievous. Yes,
1: General Grievous. Oof! oof.
0: What a guy! What a guy!
1: Oof. Oh, there was a lot of stuff with uh, General Grievous in this one.
0: There really was. Um, uh, right at the yeah, end, um,
1: with like um, I forgot the names of the Jedi who were fighting um, Chad. Ch-
0: Shakti. Shaggy. Yeah. So right at the end of Volume One, he fights Kyadimundi Mundi, Shakti Ayla Sakura, Shaggy, uh, uh, a Jedi modeled <laughs> modeled off, uh, uh, um, sh- uh, off Shaggy from modeled off Shaggy from Scooby Doo, and his name is actually Shaggy, um, which is really cool. Um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of General Grievous. He's definitely my least favorite aspect of Revenge of the Sith. I think he's fine in the Clone Wars, but he's not. He's not that cool to me, you know, like, he, in action-wise, he's fairly interesting, but character-wise, I've always found him a bit flat, and not that he's less flat in this one, but he is terrifying, like, the way that, like, they hear him before they see him, and then he lands, and he has this just huge physical presence, and he fights all of them without even detaching his two arms, like, you know, making his yeah. arm two arms into four, it's so cool. Sure. Like, it really is, yeah. like, just, you know, he, he presents himself as such a force to be reckoned with, and I really, really like that.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, oh, so, uh, I might be a bit, you know, a bit, um, static on volume two, because I watched volume one straight away, and I watched volume two straight after volume one, so I might be a bit, a bit um,. So, I remember they, um, um, what was it, um, they go to Hoth, uh, not half.
0: um, do they? I don't know, I just they're, remember. are on Yoda's seen it in Volume 1, um, oh, in Volume 2, no, it's not on half. it's just on another kind of snowy planet.
1: Oh, oh, right, because that's what I remember, yeah. and, uh, yeah, um, uh ah, I'm so sorry. I just feel that um with everything that's just a bit um overloaded with these shows. This these volumes I just feel a bit...
0: <laughs> that's alright. I'll I'll <laughs> I can um walk along it and I just
1: I just feel that
0: uh I'll I I will I've got plenty to talk about volume too, so you just like you just Kind of, you know, comment when you're when you feel like it, buddy. You can have a lovely little sleep, and I'll just. So, um, uh, yeah, one thing that about this, one thing yeah. that the Clone Wars doesn't do is obviously it starts in the middle of the war. Anakin is already Jedi Knight. They don't show that kind of transition where he goes from Padawan to Knight. And what I really like, I can I can consider lots of this canon. I really can, you know. Uh, in my head canon, this is kind of how a lot of it went down. He fought Ventress on Yavin 4, you know, and and, and, and Obi-Wan, the, the whole scene where Obi-Wan, you know, says, it's time that we forgo this kind of master and student thing. It's time that we kind of, I stop bossing you around. It's time we became brothers. And it's a really nice scene where Anakin becomes a Padawan. A, a, a Padawan? A, a knight. You know, he gets his, his Padawan bread cut off, and, and he finally feels like he is, you know... Um, he's becoming, you know, better or better. No, he's becoming an equal with the rest of them. In if you take this as like, you know, um, as as the canon, you know, it makes a whole lot of less sense why Anakin would turn to the dark side. In this, you know, Anakin, he's finally got what he wanted. He's at night. He's on level with the others, and then suddenly he's annoyed that he's not. Uh, a master in in the clone wars you see him slowly lose his trust in the council they keep on betraying him and they keep on lying to him there's a really nice line in one of the season 4 episodes where he says how many more lies am i going to be told by the council and it's really interesting to see that kind of development but here you don't really get that and that's fine obviously um but i really like to see uh, like to see him go from padawan Tonight, and I thought that was really cool. And that whole montage where him and Obi Wan are finally becoming this team—you know, he's he's helping out the Jedi, other soldiers, and stuff like that—that's really, really like nice to see. As I said, the Jedi are just forces to be reckoned with in this; they are like unmovable objects. But then you get to see a bit of Anakin and Obi Wan be kind of like bros. You know, they are those brothers that he mentions that they mention in in in, uh, New Hope and in Revenge of the Sith, you know, Obi-Wan's having, trying to sleep, and Anakin's like, hey, look, I brought lunch, and then he's like, look, we can we can go into the city, and then Obi-Wan's like, well, we can just, you know, you, you want us to climb for, crawl through a sewer? Well, let's just use these, like, these bombs, like, that's going to be so much more, like, so much easier, um, I, and yeah, I really like stuff like that, and, um, but I must say, like, you know, something that you see in both of these volumes is that the clones don't have, like, in the films, the clones don't have personalities at all. And then in this, the clones don't have personalities. It was kind of jarring having watched all the Clone Wars recently, where, as we said before, D. Bradley Baker gives all the clones such personality. They're all so different. They're all so unique. You know, you love them all. And this one, they're just like, yes, sir, no, sir. Like, they're, like, they're very, like, you know, they have no kind of um, nuance to them. They're just, like, just faceless soldiers in, in an army. Um, and I think in that sense, this definitely, it, it feels a lot less fleshed out, you know? They don't, like, there's a, there's a really good scene in Volume 1 where the ARC Troopers, like, go in a city and, like, fight some droids. And it's great, but it's not quite, like, you know, that exciting, um, without that kind of personality. They're a silent, like, force, but, like, they're not really people. And I think they kind of lose some of that humanity in this one, um, there's a moment where, where Commander Cody comes to Obi-Wan and they don't feel like they know each other at all. So, whereas in the, the Clone Wars, they develop that relationship so much that when Cody eventually executes Order 66 in Episode 3, it feels so much more jarring that Cody has now become this merciless killing machine, you know, and and and, and, and all these clones who were such good friends with all the Jedi, you know, just turn on them just like that. I think that was you know something that was definitely missing from this one um but I love Anakin's spirit quest in in this you know he you know Yoda kind of talks about you know they don't, that you know Anakin hasn't gone through any trials, not really, not in the same way that they kind of consider it, but he's gone through a lot in the war, so they kind of think, well, yeah, this is a good time for us to you know give him the opportunity to be you know this. What?
1: I, I, yeah, I'm just agreeing. Uh, what you're thinking about? Um, with the, with, I'm just trying to remember some stuff uh, about like <laughs> he's going on like uh, on this quest, yeah, and he's fighting Derris at the end. I think that's what I can remember. Yes. Of this so fact.
0: you were kind of saying like, so Anakin and Obi Wan go to this kind of um, snowy planet where all the men have like been taken away in this village. <laughs> And they are saying that like this ghost hand will kind of save them, and and they realize that Anakin because he's got a robotic hand, you know, he is the he fits that kind of prophecy. So he goes into this kind of tunnel, and he, he has like all these like horrible visions, and and it's really it's really like brutal to see. And he frees all of these like mutated and experimented on soldiers who you know eventually like you know he kind of frees them all, but he has to but in doing so he has to like you know, shut down the power which like causes his hand to kind of explode, Um, his robotic one that is, and he goes through this kind of like, he really taps into the dark side and he comes back like properly like having changed, you know, like like, this is kind of... Like, the music in the in these episodes is so good, and there's this, like, one particular motif of, like, that they use, like, a load of percussion and drums. It was kind of like a Star Wars version of the Incredible Hulk theme that I kind of felt from that. And, and 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 he kind of walks back, and Obi-Wan sees him, and you kind of see in Obi-Wan's eyes that he's kind of like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. Um, a quick shout-out I thought I'd mention. You know, Obi-Wan is played by James Arnold Taylor, who plays him in the Clone Wars, and he's so good in the role. There, there are many actors here who play the the same roles that they eventually would go on to play in the Clone Wars, which is just really cool to see. They already fit their roles really, really nicely. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed seeing Anakin's spirit quest and seeing him seeing him properly take that transition from where he is at the end of Attack of the Clones to where he is at the beginning of Revenge um, of the Sith. It's not as fleshed out as it is in the Clone Wars, um, but I could still consider these these stories canon. Um, obviously at the end they go off to fight the Chancellor, and it's a different kind of context of that so I think other than that you could definitely take this as as um as, as that and and there's a there's a lot there's a kind of like an ongoing motif in this about like gon they kind of or they, they kind of big up the fact that, you know, Obi-Wan says, I doubt even Qui-Gon Jinn could have prepared a Jedi for something like this, like this kind of war. You know, Anakin says that, you know, Obi-Wan is no Qui-Gon Jinn. The, they, they do kind of emphasize the fact that Obi-Wan was never ready to have a student that, you know, that Qui-Gon was so much more prepared and that he would have done a better job with Anakin. Something that I feel is underplayed in the films. And, you know, like there's, there are these like huge bits of like kind of context and kind of background that. You only get through looking into it a lot and and kind of watching the films many times, but I like this kind of attempted to, to get there. Um, but in the on the other side of Volume Two, there was this whole Chancellor being kidnapped, this whole like droid like invasion on Coruscant, which and it was very 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 like on the one hand you got the the quiet Anakin story where he's going on this. Um, spirit quest, and I think that definitely excused the fact the other one was just this giant like explosion of battles. And I thought it was so good. You know, on one hand you've got Yoda and Mace Windu and c Tin defending the like the skies. Mace Windu has this really really cool like part where he's like he jumps onto a vulture droid and he and he like kind of taps into its wiring and he like makes it kind of go wherever he wants. And that's really cool. It's cool to see Yoda kind of fighting and defending their home which is something that you don't get to see in the clone wars because they never show you know the chancellor being kidnapped so that's really really nice to see and nice to revisit as well um i feel say tin he's he's got this really nice helmet and and you know like his whole stuff in space was again really cool it gives so much more context to the weight of the beginning of the, of the sith which i really like and you know I wish, I wish it was canon, and I wish that somebody told that story again. And then on the other side, you've got Shaq T um, with two of the Jedi defending the Chancellor. And just the way that, again, the way that Grievous moves, the way that he attacks is just so unique in this show. And the way that they use the Force. They use it like, you know, obviously, you need a lot of concentration, a lot of focus to use the Force. So it's not something you can just use kind of willy-nilly. Yeah. But in, in this show, they use it like... So use it as an as like a superhero would, as someone from the X Men would, um, uh, and I think it, it, it's cool just to see that these these Jedi represented as such battle heroes. You know, really really cool stuff. Um, and, and then obviously seeing um, you know uh, the Chancellor being defended by these by these heroes, and them all going up against Magna Guards um, with like the trains going past and then like platforming. It's all really, really cool. Um, and and the, way, the way they build it all up with this giant battle and it all builds to the beginning of Avengers Sith, I think it's very well done. And if I was back in 2003, you know, I haven't seen the Clone Wars, you know, I've just seen Attack of the Clones. I think this is the perfect thing that would have kind of, you know, brought me into the mindset for Episode 3. And yeah, I thought Episode oh. 1 was so much com- was so much kind of action and it was really overwhelming um, and I liked a lot of it, but it really was, as you said, overwhelming. So much to take in. Um, but volume two was was so much slower and had so much more substance to it. Um, yeah, I really like volume two, and it holds up. I used to love it as a kid, and I would still watch, you know, each five minute segment, you know, separately now. If you know, if I was kind of given it, if, if that was an option for me, I'd, that's the kind of thing that I'd I really like to do. Um, so yeah, that, I think that's all my thoughts. Do you have anything to add to that?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'm just trying to... I'm just having a headache
0: right now because... Yeah, no, I, I get it. You're still processing.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry, man, but...
0: No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, That's cool. Um, uh, well, I, I'll, I'll give you a chance to talk about something else. Let's talk... I know you're dying to talk about this. Let's talk with you viewing segment. I know exactly what you're okay. going to... What you want to talk about, and I'll give oh, you that chance. Okay.
1: Um. So, this week, um, I watched Once Upon a Time... In Hollywood. Yes. Uh, so this uh, is directed by the legendary Quentin Tarantino. hmm uh, And Tarantino, uh, uh, as you may have seen, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, uh, Inglourious Bastards, and all other things, as well as Kill Bill. And but this one, this is a very different Tarantino film. Um, and you you see, you can see the style in, like, Pulp Fiction Reservoir as well as Dogs, but this one, it, it's more on the take of, like, it's, 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 it's a love message to, like, the golden era of, of the film industry, and the, and that, in it, in that area as well, and it, it works really well, like, if you listen to the soundtrack, or, like, listen to the, Things that's going on in the movie, like with the radio stations, with the with the like with the movie uh, advertisements, all of that, and it just makes you so. It's just so immersive in, in into this world of the sixties, and Tarantino does that really, really well. And you just feel like you're 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 in this, you're part of this, um, of this uh, of this film. As well like, it's just like it's just it's that immersive for me. Uh, and um, and the characters. So I love Brad Pitt in this one. It, it's just it, he's just played really well as Cliff Booth. Um, uh, he's just a really cool character, and and I really like how Tarantino references like a lot of stuff that really happened in the '60s. So Cliff Booth um, is a reference to one uh, an actor who, well, uh, for that, inst- um, people thought. Cliff Booth killed his wife, so that was a reference to a mystery in the sixties um, to a man who, uh, like an actor, I forgot his name. Uh, he killed uh, killed his wife, but we don't we, we don't know actually what really happened. So that's a mystery. So uh, Tina Tarantino leaves, leaves that as a mystery and like think about the character of Cliff Booth. So we, we think about a lot more about the characters and. Um, and another criticism I heard about was Margaret Robbie. Uh, wasn't much in this film. Um, and they, uh, didn't like that, but I liked it because, um, uh, if you know what really happened in the sixties with Sharon Tate, she unfortunately got killed, uh, by the Mansons, uh, on the 8th of August, 1969. Um, and, but we see her Sharon Tate, uh, well, um, Sharon Tate being really happy, being free, and she's hearing those really, um, like, you know, like the first time that you go into the cinema and you see yourself on screen, and everyone's just laughing. And I, I really like that because, you know, it's unfortunate that she got killed um, by the Mansons. Uh, and, and the film gives out um, a really, really satisfying ending, uh, and of course, it's called once upon a time because once upon a time there's got to be a happy ending and uh, satisfying as well. And uh, and Leonardo DiCaprio oh the chemistry between Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt is just great. Um, I really like that, um, and they just brought so together. And I love the characters grow uh, in this film. Uh, uh, again, I love the soundtrack. The soundtrack just makes you so. Immersive in, into this world of the the sixties. Um, so other things as well. The, the film is not Tarantino esque, but the, the last fifteen minutes is, um, which I really liked. Uh, but again, I think this is just like um, like exploration of like the world of like the golden era of uh, of the of the film industry uh, of Hollywood and uh, and. Um, it's definitely not the best, but it's, it not for me. It's not the worst, uh, but I haven't seen it of the Tarantino films. But um, I just really like this one, uh, and I just had a blast. And um, I'm I'm glad I watched it. It's just uh, it's just a great film to watch right now. Like it's it's summer, it's kind of spring. It's what well, summer slash spring at the moment, and it's just it's just comfortable watching it. And and I watched it with my family last night, and they, they enjoyed it, but. They they liked it, but um, they said, "Oh, it's not as good as Pulp Fiction." Um, so I, I give this film a nine out of ten. But a couple of days ago, I was thinking oh, it could be a ten, but I'm not too sure because it, it it is a really good film. Um, but I wish there was some more stuff to it because it it, it is it's supposed to be Tarantino, so you know you would expect that they would flip the script, but they did in in. Uh, in the last 15, 15 minutes. Um, um, but again, this is what Townsend wanted to have that love message to uh, the final mo- the final um, moments of the golden e- era. Um, de DiCaprio did really well. Um, and the set, or oh, the setting of this is just great. Like the old style of the 60s, like, the Cinema uh, cin- Cinemarama, Taco Bell, all of that in LA, and it's just great to see. Uh, yeah, that'll be it for me, 9 out of 10, I would recommend it, um, but I would give it another watch sometimes, so, it's great, so,
0: yeah. Yeah, I definitely want to, like, re-watch that film. I watched it, I watched all the Tarantino films, like, at once, so, like, all one after another. And I definitely, apart from Death Proof, it's definitely my least favourite Tarantino film. There's something about the slice of life... I don't think that it, it doesn't feel like a Tarantino film. It still has the dialogue, still has the cultural references, still has, like, the pastiche that his film, all his films bring, even though it's not quite as violent throughout. I think that the slice of life nature is... It doesn't work, especially towards the end, you know, it kind of, like, skips over a lot of what the characters... You kind of see the characters kind of strugg- like, struggle to get to where they want to be, and then it cuts to them where they've already got it, you know? It doesn't... It, I feel like it could kind of relish a bit more in, in the satisfaction of having it, even if that means just, like, ten more minutes of screen time. I always kind of thought that was, that was kind of my big issue with the film. Um... But other than that, yeah, I, I agree with most of your points. Yeah, it it is a really it is a real good one. Um, but no, it's 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 not Tarantino at its best for me. I have to agree with your family there, even though I'm not the I'm also not the biggest fan of Pulp Fiction. Um, uh, but, but yeah, yeah. Oh, fun
1: fact! I watched Pulp Fiction over lockdown, uh, and I really liked it.
0: Um, yeah, I, I think you spoke about it on the pod. I, actually, I think you
1: mean about like people saying, "Oh, it's so good! It's, it's Tarantino's best," mm. and I, but the thing is. Have they watched other Tarantino stuff? Because there's Kill Bill, there's Inglorious, uh, there's um, Eight for Eight, all of those. And y- you can't go straight off the bat because you would need a certain argument to all the things about other Tarantino films. So, yeah, so Pulp Fiction is quite... Quite a reasonable I really
0: Yeah, liked it. Tar- Tarantino is definitely arguably an auteur. You know, you go to his films and you have this kind of expectation because of all the things that he's laid out. And I think to truly understand any of his films, you need to kind of truly understand, you know, him and his other films. Uh, and I agree with you. You know, I was told pulp fiction is like the greatest thing you'll ever watch in your life. And maybe it's just expectation that made me not like it as much. But really, honestly, like, Watching it, like, I was not nearly as impressed as I was by something like Reservoir Dogs, which, you know, remains my favourite Tarantino film, simply because of the simplicity of it, simply because of the way that it, you know, it doesn't need to do 70 different storylines all told out of order. It doesn't need to have, you know, scenes of people, like, you know, doing all these now super iconic things, you know. It brings it in such a simplistic way, and it has so much more sophistication to it. Uh, even though, you know, I couldn't really, fa- like, it's difficult to fault something like Pulp Fiction as a reason why it's so good and why it's so loved. I just feel like, as you said, you know, the whole stigma behind it makes it just, it doesn't make me like it as much, in all honesty.
1: Yeah, and and the thing is, with, like, um, I feel like Pulp Fiction and Once Upon a Time, you can see, like, there's one thing that's similar. There's, like, no plot, you know, you know what I mean. Like, it has like a different structure. I get,
0: because... I get that. I get that more for once. Upon a time in Hollywood, I think that has less of a plot than Pulp Fiction because Pulp Fiction has the whole the briefcase that's kind of coming through the narrative. Yeah, it's, like, it, it, it's uh, funny. It's it, Pulp Fiction is very much kind of like the story of Marcellus Wallace as told through the eyes of his allies and enemies. I think is. Oh, I I, I, I I
1: thought there, there was like lesser plot in the pulp fiction because you know like it is it is it, it, not a linear structure because like it's all out in chronological it's not in chronological order but it's i wouldn't i wouldn't
0: up. i wouldn't say that that therefore forgoes a the plot um
1: and i mean like goes through with different characters and like how do you how do you how do we explain someone pulp fiction rather than I don't know. I'm well,
0: I, I think that's. I would explain it as the story of Marcellus Wallace as told through the eyes of his enemies and allies. Because that's you know every character. It's his wife. It's his you know. It's it's the guy who he paid to fail a boxing match. It's the people who he's got to to get his briefcase. You know, and 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 each and each thing is tied to Marcellus Wallace in that film. Whereas I feel like you know. Once, once, once upon a time in Hollywood, although easier to explain, it has less of a plot because of that slice of life nature it doesn't bring it in as oh my god, I'm gonna people please in the comments. you can hate me as much as you like for making this analogy, but it isn't as good as in diary of Wimpy Kid, where the slice of life nature is all brought in at, like it it kind of culminates in the middle of the narrative and and everything becomes more important. It stops feeling like it was just thrown in there and it becomes more important to the characters and to the plot. I can't believe I just compared a Tarantino film to a Direct Wimpy Kid film. You did. Just... You just <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh no.
1: So we'll be we... I don't know if Tarantino um well Tarantino's gonna take his time for his last film.
0: Well, last film unless he does Star Trek or Kill Bill three.
1: Kill Bill Three. I think he is going to do Kill Bill 3 because, you know,
0: yeah,
1: it's possible because he's going to go, "Ah, ah-ah!
0: Yeah, I feel like he would because he loves making movies, but I also feel like it's a stretch, you know? Like, the narrative of Kill Bill is finished, and obviously there is a way that you could do it. You could bring back Black Mamba's um, daughter, but I just feel like that might be a little bit of a stretch for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's it from me once upon a time in Hollywood. But Good. it's a great film. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to watch. I'm I'll be watching of the Tarantino films over the holiday of this break. So, yeah, so expect me from talking more Tarantino stuff. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well. Last week, I talked about how I'd watched X-Men Apocalypse, and I talked about how I used to like it, but oh God, now it's you. bad. And as promised, you. John, I told you this the other day when we saw each other, as promised, I'm going to talk about X-Men Dark Phoenix. And <laughs> my God, it's... I have always... So obviously this came out, what, two years ago? And ever since I watched it this the cinema, I've had it on DVD for quite a while, but I haven't rewatched it. I've only watched it once, um, until this week, um and i've always been a quite
1: apologetic
0: yeah i know oh my he's leaving i can hear him he's far away he's gone he's he's left me um i've always been kind of an, an apo- i've always been quite apologetic about this film i used to like some of the the, the stretches it takes it's with the okay. characters and i still like that it's still interesting perspective however it's incredibly dry you know the characters are just Shells of you know the actors bring a Get fair the, the the actors bring a, a fair amount of charisma to them, but they're written so blandly that their chemistry and all their relationships are rushed in between movies. It barely feels like these are a formed team. It feels like this film would have worked better with you know an x men team that we'd seen form and develop over a couple of films, not just shoved together at the end of apocalypse and then just shipped off ten years later. It all felt so rushed. The villains were just the worst. They were literally potatoes. They had nothing to them. (laughs) Like, they were just, like, faceless, boring, you know, like, they even looked just like people. They weren't like any... Hell yeah. They were tell. really just like, they weren't even like interesting looking mutants. They weren't even mutants, they're aliens. You know, the action is fine, but it, it doesn't use the powers in any interesting way. And whenever it does, you know, they use the powers in such a way that it's like, well, you could have done that way earlier, man. Like, the action is shot fine, but, you know, it, it it just all comes together in this kind of weird kind of bland looking thing, you know, like the interesting stuff will be the drama going on and then there'll be an action scene for no real good reason. And, you know, things are all kind of, you know, characters are brought in halfway through who who will then kind of have a big bearing, but, you know, no time for them to to be developed or anything. You know, they also feel like they don't kind of understand the weight of the powers. There's a scene where Jean Grey and Magneto have this kind of uh, powers off where they both try and, like keep a helicopter. Magneto's trying to get the helicopter to lift and Jean's kind of keep it onto the ground. And they're both just kind of standing there going, ah! Like, there's no kind of weight to the powers. There's no, like, electricity crackles or anything like that. It could be so much more impactful. The score is great. I have to say, the score is great. But other than that, it's just so bland and it really is a wet fart to kind of leave the X-Men franchise on. Like, if you look at it all chronologically, obviously you've got Logan, but, like, you know, if you look at it as it came out, you know, it was this, and then it... I just want to say, sorry if I'm, anyone can hear some banging. Someone's doing some hammering near me. Um, but anyway, like, it's it, it, it's it's really like, you know, you'd watch all the X-Men films, which most of which I would argue are good, and then you get Apocalypse, and then you get Dark Phoenix. Uh, obviously, you get, you get Apocalypse, which is bad, and then Logan, which is great, and then you get Dark Phoenix, which is real bad, and then New Mutants. Like, what is even the point, you know? Like... It felt like they should have stopped the X Men films at Days of Future Past, done Logan, and just be done with it, you know. And I have to say, in the future, unless I have a really, 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 really good reason, I will not be watching Apocalypse or Dark Phoenix again. You know, when I rewatch the X Men films, I'll be doing First Class, the original trilogy, Wolf- the Wolverine, Days of Future Past, and Logan. That's like, you know, it just, it just, it all went on for so long, and you know. I'm, I'm-
1: I'm glad to hear that,
0: because... Thank you. It's, ba- it's bad, I, I
1: do it's not, bad. I do not spend my time watching bad films, because I just <laughs> feel that that just really makes me... It gives me more hatred, definitely. I think.
0: Definitely, definitely. I do have to say, though, I still love the X-Men films, and I think people are way too harsh on them. There are some incredible films in there. Obviously, Logan and um, first class X-Men X-Men 2 Days of Future Past even two thirds of the Wolverine you know there are some great things in there and I think people don't give it enough kind of I really hope the attitude does it well but I also love those old films but Dark Phoenix sucks sorry it's the worst it's real bad uh,
1: what would you give it out of 10
0: 3 <laughs> 3 out of 10 I would Three. not recommend it but if you want to watch it because you're a diehard X-Men fan it's on Disney Plus God help you what else have you watched this week John
1: The Night guys
0: the nice guy oh thank god we're up we're up something good now
1: ah so um funny enough uh i was on the uh, i was on the uh, couch um getting ready uh to watch once upon a time in hollywood and i saw um that the nice guy was uh, about to be on on tv so i was like Wait, really oh let's watch it so i watched it and uh it's it's so good. It, it is. Let me it. tell you, it's definitely better than Once Upon a Time because it's the nice guys. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, so Ryan Gosling. If you didn't know, uh, an old adult actress um, is killed, uh, disappeared mysteriously. I, I, is that how it goes? Or disappeared yeah, or? She,
0: she. No, so, no so, yeah, no, no, she's she's killed, and then there's another girl amelia who is like goes missing and then two guys get hired to kind of find out what happened to her yeah
1: so ryan gosling
0: (laughs) ah literally i have to say now i'm just going to kind of piggyback off yours here because ryan gosling and russell crowe are the best duo ever
1: yeah i i'll tell you that now and yeah so like the chemistry between them is just like hilarious and it's just like it, it it's weird because you wouldn't think of this duo Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. How would you explain that to someone in, in back in before the film came out, or anyone before that? Because that that is a great recommendation for a duo, or like something that you would never seen in cinemas or something. So um, Ryan Gosling, he just steals the film for me because <laughs> yeah, there's just a lot of funny moments that he does, and I wish. Uh, ryan gosling was more in comedy films but he he does really well in serious films as well i'll tell you that like in blade run twenty forty nine, yes. drive
0: there, there are so many scenes in the nice guys so like oh. you know where where ryan gosling is the funniest like person ever like you know when he's swimming in the swimming pool <laughs> like <laughs> it's literally the funniest thing like drunk ryan gosling is just hilarious
1: yeah, and, like, he, he's sitting in the toilet and then... <laughs> he's sitting in the toilet and then he's just, like... Trying to
0: open the door.
1: Yeah, he's trying to open the door, but he's just... Yeah, or
0: where, or where Russell Crowe, um, like, gives him a fracture in his arm. <laughs>
1: and that he was like...
0: like ah! <laughs> oh, God, it's hilarious.
1: <laughs> uh, and I just love the comedy. The comedy is just top tier. Um, yeah. like if you're watching, if you, if you're down or you need something to pick you up, the nice guys, is just there. like, Definitely. it is a really good uh, buddy cop film. It is. Uh, it is my favorite buddy cop film. Um,
0: to be Ooh, honest. hot fuzz. Hot fuzz as well. Yeah. It, no,
1: they're, they're, they're the same.
0: They're I the same would world. call hot fuzz better. I think I always thought that there wasn't much of a, the villain wasn't that memorable for me in the nice guys, you know? Oh so, yeah. So. And, and then Hot Fuzz has Simon Skinner, the absolute goat. Um, so for the like, ac- good. He kind of elevates it. Say again? Uh, for the greater good. For the greater good. Shut it! Um, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's great. Um, but no, yeah, The Nice Guy is awesome. I just want to give a shout out to Shane Black, who directed that film. Oh, he, yeah, Shane he, Black. He writes films so cleverly. His dialogue is amazing. Well, not always, in, in fairness, but his... His writing is, is always so well done. And, you know, so I put together, you know, Iron Man 3, which I think is an underrated gem. It's definitely... It is. it is. very underage. It's I, so good. I, it's so incredibly good. And yeah. the amount of times a week that I'll be calling my girlfriend and be like, I want to watch Iron Man 3, but I don't want to, like, start watching the MCU again. Like, because I'll d- I know I'll watch one and I want to watch them all. And uh, yeah, like, yeah. I, and if you've seen any of the other Lethal Weapon films, which are, um, like, classic uh, buddy cop films, he, he he's just really good at that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: Um, and I just really love um, everything. Again, um, uh, well, it's just it's just funny. It's just really funny. Yeah, and it is a masterpiece. That's a that's a bold claim. It is. It is. But I I just I, no, I don't want to deduce it. But it's just uh, I okay. I'll give it a nine point five out of ten.
0: Ooh, nine point five.
1: Because I really, really, really love the film, but it's just the villain. It, it's yeah. just the villain. That's all.
0: I I go for nine or eight. I'd have to watch it again. Um, but yeah. Uh,
1: it, it, it is it is a masterpiece, but it's just that not point five deduction. is just it needs to be fixed. Like <laughs> the villain. Um, I wish the villain was a bit memorable. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I really love that film. Um. So I recommend it as well as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Two great films. What about you, Tom? Well you've been watching. Well, well
0: the final because, you know, we're getting on a bit, I'll try and be quick. Um, is I finished reading I started reading this ages ago. I'm very ashamed that I only just finished it. But The Dark Knight Returns. Um so Oh wow. Yeah. Literally I've read this I've read this comic before Ages ago. So long ago, in fact, that I literally couldn't remember any of it. You know, I read it when I was young and, you know... I shouldn't have read it when I was young. It's extremely dark. But I did. I'm not even sure I read it properly. I might have just looked at the pictures. Um, but for the sake of sake, i read it before, you know. And so, But I've forgotten so much of it that my, my only real, like, you know, understanding of it was, you know, what I'd seen in Batman v Superman or just, like, around the internet. But I haven't seen the animated film. I hadn't read it in a long time. And so I picked it up again before Justice League came out. Obviously, I only finished it just now, just this week, literally just yesterday. Um, but I really, really enjoyed it. You know, it's a really good... Uh, uh, Look into Batman's psychology and how he can't, how he struggles to give up the role. Um, and I really, I really enjoy that aspect of it. the The way that the world has changed and the way that you know he has to come into this different world than the one he started off in is so interesting. And all the characters are so are so done really well. The actions done well, the dialogue is done well. I really enjoy the way that the news reports kind of work within it. And there are loads of times that I noticed lines that Batman v Superman takes straight from it. Really, really cool. However, yeah. um, and and that's pretty much. Like, great. The only thing that I would say, obviously I want to keep this quite brief, the only thing I would say about it is that it it feels like a, you know, it, it's split into four books and each one feels like its own story. There's the story of Batman, you know, coming back into Batman and then the story of the mutant gang and then the Joker and then Superman, which is all fine. It just felt like towards the end... The whole Batman v Superman fight that happens was so... It was almost kind of out of nowhere. It felt like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't built up enough. It wasn't kind of... I didn't really understand the motives behind it. They could have lent into the Superman kind of working with the US government a little bit more for me. Um, But other than that, I mean, I understand, totally understand why it's so iconic and why everyone loves it and why Zack Snyder wants to kind of base his batflex stuff off that i think it's great and yeah i love it definitely i give it a a solid eight out of ten um yeah i really enjoyed it
1: Uh, i i i really like this comic uh, as well um it is one of my favorite comics um read from time to time and the best thing about comics is that if you haven't read a comic for a while and you come back like say for a year later Mm -hmm. it's just like the best experience like it is
0: there's so much that you forget like there've been comics that I've read that I've been like oh yeah it was fine and then I reread it and I was like oh no this is great like a second as I always say about films about anything a second viewing is extremely valuable. Yeah, and um, the comics.
1: Yeah, so um so um yeah so uh, another thing that really happened like the best thing like so endgame Batman Endgame. Yes. Um, so, uh, the best thing yet, uh, was like, I haven't read the comic for a while. I haven't read it and I was like, oh, let, yeah, let's, let's read it and it's just honestly one of the best comics um, book I've read. It's just that good and the, the ending is just oof, oof. It's dark and poetic um, and it is it is a must-be suit. So, it is. Yes, so...
0: Scott Snyder.
1: Uh Scott Snyder, man.
0: Yeah, on that note, actually, I want to say I will be reading The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, Dark Knight Strikes Again, sorry. And Dark Knight Master Race. But I'm going to take a little bit of a break this week because I literally just got... My girlfriend bought me American Vampire, written by Scott Snyder. And Stephen King... Oh, really? Sorry. I didn't even know it was written by Stephen King, but that's awesome. Um. They- it's written by Scott Snyder and Stephen King. That's mad. So I got the first volume and, um, yeah, I'm going to start reading it. So I'm quite excited about that.
1: Oh, wow. Stephen King and Scott Snyder?
0: Yeah, I know. A match made in heaven, some would say. So, yeah, I, I hope I enjoy that one. Oh, wow. Um,
1: so that's it from the weekly viewing. but um, It really is. But there is another co- uh, comic book that I really, really um, look forward to. It's called uh, Dark Knight Death Metal. And yes. This is the same universe. Well, the, I swear that you saw, that,
0: oh, Wait, I saw you talked about this last week.
1: Yeah, I talked. I haven't talked about that last week.
0: Oh, Okay, I thought maybe this is the conversation that we had. I uh, don't know, John. It's the, all the, becoming the same.
1: It's not the same, man. No,
0: I know. I know. It's, it's <laughs> oh, you're okay.
1: Oh, you get. Um.
0: So <laughs> oh, Neil.
1: this is the same like uh, idea. Like if you like, oh, it, it's it's incredibly. W- well set up like if you if you like know what happened in the new 52 of batman's run it set so well for the uh, dark knight death metal uh metal so um yeah uh, dark knight metal sorry um and there's a lot a lot of um story in this dark knight universe that story more to go something uh and there's a lot of graphic novels for it so I'm not going to get all the graphic novels, but I'm definitely going to get Dark Knight of Death Metal because it's Scott Snyder and Greg Apollo uh, But I just love Greg Capullo's artwork; it's just great. Mm, yeah, it's just it. It's just so lifelike, and it's just com- it's comical at the same time. It's just you know, what I mean that yes. balance. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, so that'll be it from the from the weekly viewing, and I'll be reading some graphic
0: novels this week. Sweet. So yeah, thank you everyone for listening. As always, um we are literally teetering on the edge of this becoming our, our, our in If if we if we stayed here for another six minutes, this would be our, um, um, our, our longest podcast episode. So, it it really flies by. Um, but yeah, thank you everyone for um listening. Uh, as always, you know, next week we are going to be doing uh, restore the Snyderverse. We're going to be talking about the proposed, you know, David Ayer Suicide Squad Man of Steel two a Batflex show, and Justice League 2 and 3. We're going to be talking about, you know, what we'd like to see if that did happen and all the kind of benefits and um, advantages and disadvantages of that happening. So I'm quite excited for that. And, yeah, thanks um, for watching. You know, if you enjoyed it, leave a like and subscribe if you want to see more. You know, there are 31 other podcasts you can sink your teeth into, and obviously we'll be doing more every week. Um, We've got got plans going in the distant future. And if any of you have been waiting for a while... We're gonna be doing Wonder Woman in 1984 very, very, very soon. Um, very, very soon. Definitely. And but yeah, um, and yeah, you know, so if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at gmail.com or get in touch with us at Instagram or Twitter at alstainfilmpod. I am Tom the Balkan on Twitter.
1: I am Company John on Twitter. Were you
0: yawning there? What? Were you yawning there? I think I heard a yawn. Sorry, what? You? Were, no, it's it's fine. <laughs> Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, Neil. (laughs) Jesus, I'm so tired. Anyway, um, so yeah, if you enjoyed it, you know, stick around if you want to see more. And yeah, stay safe, everyone. And yeah, anything else? Right,
1: cool. Um, Thank you for listening in. Uh, Stay safe um, and enjoy another week of new stuff this week. And if you want to comment on stuff that we want to talk about, uh, please do. Yeah, oh, leave email. it in the
0: comments uh, below as well. You know, we'll, we still want to get that weekly, that weekly answering lovely email segment like off the ground. So, yeah. 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 So, yeah. that'll be it. it uh, will. Thank
1: you. Uh, take what you're giving.
0: I give nothing back. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye.